I'm Burl Bear. Welcome to True Crime Uncensored. Mark C.G. Boyer, our fact checker, joins me today, along with Caitlin Rother, award-winning investigative journalist, best-selling author, and her latest book, Death on Ocean Boulevard. This is quite an amazing and controversial story. First of all, you got this little kid being watched by 32-year-old Rebecca. The kid has a fatal accident, severely injured, does die in the hospital, and then Rebecca is found naked and gagged, her ankles tied, her hands bound behind her, hanging from a second-story balcony by her neck. Murder or suicide? Well, damn good question. Here's Caitlin Rother. And according to Adam, they said goodbye in the driveway. She went into the main house, and he went into the guest house, which was across the courtyard in this, you know, it was a lawn kind of area. And the next morning, he called 911 because he said he saw her hanging naked, bound, and gagged from a, a second-story uh, balcony in the courtyard. In a nutshell, that's that's basically how the, the story opens in the book, and that's the the incident where this all incidents actually, because there are two deaths here in this book, not just one but two that are mysterious and lots of debate over. Whether Rebecca Zahau was murdered or committed suicide. The sheriff's department says it was suicide, and her family insists no, it was murder. And a civil jury in 2018 agreed with the family and found Adam Shacknai, the brother of the boyfriend Jonah Shacknai, to be responsible for her death. Ooh, he was not impressed with that decision, was he? <laughs> no, to say the least. So is he taking like a lawsuit against him for defamation of character or something? No, he can't because it was a civil suit against him. Oh, gotcha. And he was, the house filed a civil suit. Originally, the civil suit had a couple other parties. One was um, Jonah's ex-wife, the mother of the little boy, and her name is Dina Shacknai, and then Dina's sister, Nina Romano, who was visiting um, to be supportive that at that time, and there was the 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 lawsuit against the three of them initially by filed by the Zahau family, uh, alleged that the three of them conspired and schemed to strangle and then you know hang her essentially well, so wait, wait, wait. now all motives as you know is yeah motive means an opportunity what would have been the motive in that situation if that were a reality if that what the lawsuit alleged was that they were angry about um at rebecca because she was the only adult at the house when max had that fall mm -hmm. and therefore it was her fault and they were angry with her but her hands were tied, all that stuff. We her hands were bound behind her. Her ankles were bound together, and there was this rope around her neck, mm -hmm. and there was also a T-shirt, which was wrapped around the rope, which was on top of her hair. So she had long hair. So the, the hair was under the rope and under the T-shirt gag, which many women think is just not something a, a woman would do. This is really weird, as you know. <laughs> yes, it's very weird. Yeah, and I take it it only gets more strange the more you investigated this. 
Well, yeah, I mean, everyone thought, well, this is a bizarre death, right? I mean, the community at large, a lot of people thought that this was a murder. In fact, when I was, I would go do these speeches out in the community, you know, for my various book events, they'd all say, are you going to, are you doing a book on the Coronado Mansion murder? And I say, well, it's kind of difficult because the sheriff's department thinks it's a suicide. So if there's not even a crime, that means there's been no arrest, let alone anyone being charged or convicted. I can't really go around accusing people of murder if nobody has been it charged. It does tend to irritate them. Yeah, it does. Even even after the lawsuit was filed, I mean, Adam Shackney to this day says he was wrongly accused and wrongly convicted. And his um, homeowner's insurance, which is how the majority of the legal fees were paid, um, they didn't they didn't want to continue um, paying for his defense because he wanted to file an appeal. So against his wishes, his insurance company. Uh, settled with the house, so he to, he now has no way in court to clear his name because um, he can't file any defamation suit because in a court of law you are allowed to make these allegations and that's what they did and it was all allowed because he lost the case so there's not really much he can do. Well, at least it's not a criminal conviction. It's not a criminal conviction, and that is correct. Which is why it was very tricky to write this book. Yeah, I, did you have any contact with him? Did you interview him for this book? I did interview him for the book. Um, I sat across from him for about three and a half hours. This and, was quite um, a coup, wasn't it? Sorry? This was quite a coup to get him Thank to you. talk to you. Appreciate that. I, I gave a card, one of my cards, to his girlfriend during the trial when... Um, I saw her in the ladies' room, and I handed her my card, and I said, I'm going to be writing a book about this case, so I hope to talk to you, and I hope to talk to Adam, and gave her the card, and that's how he had my number, and he just called me one day out of the blue. I was a little... Oh, are you a lucky woman? <laughs> I looked down at my phone, and I'm like, Tennessee? Who do I know in Tennessee? And I d normally wouldn't have answered the phone, because normally I'd think, oh, it was a spam call, but I every once in a while... Like, I had a new a new coaching client. I do coaching on the side for aspiring authors and authors who want help with shaping, developmental shaping and promoting a book. And I had a new client, and I thought, well, maybe she has the cell phone that she, you know, has that is, she was living previously in Tennessee. So I picked it up only because I thought it was someone else. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, are you fortunate. <laughs> No, no, I mean, I, I did want to interview him. I just, I wasn't really read, ready to interview him yet because I have a process, you know. I like to have all my ducks in a row. I like to know all my information down before I interview somebody who's been accused of a of a crime like that, you know. Yes. Even if it's in civil court, I, I even more so, I need to have my ducks in a row, you know. So how did the interview go? Did you two get along? <coughs> Well, we talked on the phone um, and basically went back and forth. And um, I don't want to give away too much about this because it's all written up in the book. But we 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 arranged an interview and and then we talked for three and a half hours. So I'll just leave it at that. I, that's all I want to say about my inter my interaction with him because I think I think I want to save the rest for people to have surprises in the book. Oh, I'll just absolutely! Leave it at that. And I think it's going to be. People are going to be drawing a lot of conclusions on the wall, as Bob Dylan would say. Uh, you don't, uh, in this book, you don't re reveal 
You reveal a lot about yourself in terms of uh, emotional harmonizing with some of the situations. Uh-huh. Emotionally, but you don't really come out on which side you're putting your money on whether... Right. And that's on purpose. And to be honest, I really, um, I can't say either way that I have enough information to believe that it was either suicide or murder, frankly. And I know a lot of people feel one way or the other, but I've had a lot of people, and this actually makes me happy, I've had a lot of people tell me they thought something when they before they read the book, and then they changed their mind back and forth, both going back and forth, like, you know, like I say, for me, it was like a tent, watching a tennis match, you know, your head's going this way, your head's going that way, um, and that's what it was like writing the book, and apparently that's also what it's like reading the book, and I did that on purpose. Well, good, you know, it's, good. I to could. keep people interested, I, I don't take sides, and I, I tried to fairly present all the different theories, and... There's a lot of information that we still don't know. There's a lot of questions that are still unanswered. If it were suicide, if it were suicide, what would her motive have been for suicide and to trust herself up like a Christmas (laughs) turkey like that? Well, like I said, I think there's some information that we don't know. I mean, either way, why was she either killed or why did she commit suicide that way? Do you know what I mean? I mean, I, I think that if she did commit suicide, and she did that on purpose, you know, it, it's highly possible or maybe even likely that she was trying to send a message to somebody because where did she get an idea like that? I mean, there was nothing on her computer that shows that she researched how to do commit suicide or how to tie herself up or she didn't look up any bondage websites. I mean, basically, I looked at her internet browser history because it was in the sheriff's investigative file that I had access to through a a couple sources. And there was no history of that. She basically was looking at fashion. She was looking at, you know, resorts and vacations and, you know, restaurants and stuff like that. You know, Facebook, bank account. But nothing like that. You know, like how to tie her up to kill yourself. No, and, and, and I don't say that lightly because there was another book that I wrote called Then No One Can Have Her about the Steve DeMocker case in Prescott, Arizona, where part of the reason he was convicted is because he had a browser history that, that basically said how, how to make a, um, a murder look like, a, like an accident <laughs> on his yeah, internet that's, browser That's history. when you clear your browser history. <laughs> Well, apparently he has software where he thought that that was happening, but it didn't. Ooh. Yeah, he had been trying to, he had had thought he had been clearing his browser history, I think, but it didn't work. And so the investigators found that. And he says, oh, I was doing research for a novel. Yeah. Now, you and I could get away with that. Exactly. (laughs) But but he can't. (laughs) No, and he didn't. He's in prison. So. Thank God we're not. I mean, yeah, I mean, so, so to answer, to get back to your question, there there are a number of theories. So the sheriff's department theory is that Rebecca felt guilty for somehow being responsible for Max's fall, and he was not dead at the time that she was found dead. He was still technically alive, hooked up to you know machines, but he had a pretty severe um, set of injuries that even the doctor said did not appear to match the story that they got from Rebecca about how he got the injuries. So he, he was, 
she said that she was in the bathroom downstairs and she heard a loud crash and the dog barking and she came out and found him on the floor and she couldn't remember if he was on his stomach or on his back, but he, she had to get him on his back so if he was on face down, she had to turn him. And she said she started to do CPR. And she called out for her sister who was visiting, who's only 13 years old. Um, she had just arrived, like I said, two days before. Um, and she said, call 911. And so basically she saw Max lying on the floor surrounded by pieces of broken glass from the chandelier that had been hanging above. And there was a soccer ball and a razor scooter. And the, the razor scooter was lying across um, one of his legs. So the, the, the sheriff's department surmised that there must have been some kind of play going on where he was either, you know, riding the scooter or, you know, something with the dog and the ball. And then somehow he, like, lunged over and grabbed a hold of the chandelier and it broke and he fell. How could he and grab the chandelier? Well, because it was, okay, so picture this. So you've got a foyer and then you've got a, a, a staircase that goes up. Mm-hmm. like a dog leg ascending staircase that goes up to the second floor. Right. And the chandelier was hanging from the second story. So it's open. It's a whole open area oh, with gotcha. the chandelier hanging over it. So he, they think he grabbed it and was swinging on it, and it broke with his think weight. Think of uh, the War of the Roses. Yep, gotcha. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, it, you know, the thing that was intriguing about this, though, that was one of my questions, there was a woman who was riding in the police car when they responded to the 911 call. So there were two 911 calls within two days, okay? First one was Max's uh, accident, which is what the Sheriff's Department ruled it to be. Um, She was with the police car that responded. She was a psychologist. She came into the house and she was asked to write a report about what she saw and she said she used the word severed the cord on the chandelier she said that the cord was quote-unquote severed and i don't know so there you know dina shack and I, max's mother believes that max was murdered so the sheriff's department thinks says it was an accident sheriff's department said rebecca was committed suicide um you know there's a lot of people who think that Rebecca was murdered, and Dina Shacknight thinks her son was murdered. So there's all kinds of theories about well, why yeah, this would be well, and what well, the well, motive would be. And just because she used the word severed doesn't mean that someone knew he was going to swing from the chandelier and therefore severed it ahead of time. That's no, as no, as a no, meaning it was severed um, like someone cut it. But in order for I mean, at the time, someone in the house cut it as he was swinging from it. I don't know. I'm not. I am not saying what happened. I am just no, I mean, saying just I thought that was a curious word to use. Well, maybe, maybe you know. I, I mean, I'm just throwing this out there. Right. Nobody's saying that they severed it while he was swinging on it. I'm saying the chandelier cord was described as being severed. In which case, maybe there's a whole other scenario that has nothing to do with him swinging on it. Do you see what I'm saying? So I don't know. I'm just saying that was curious to me that she used that word. And why would someone murder the kid in the first place? Well, why would somebody murder Rebecca, right? So yes, motive means opportunity. What's the motive? Well, there, I, I, are, there, there are some theories out there about there being one or more hitmen. I'm not saying I 
believe that these are true. I'm just throwing, I'm just letting you know what the theories are. Um, in fact, Jonah Shapnai even raised that possibility in his first interview with detectives. That is, seems he, to me very strange. Well, it's in the book. You'll, you'll see. <laughs> I know I will. And it'll drive me just as crazy as everybody else. Yeah. Uh, but it's because he, he said, you know, is it possible, you know, that he's like, should I be worried? Should I get protection? I mean, because he said if, if somebody was trying to hurt me by hurting the two people closest to me, well, they sure did it, you know? Wow. Yeah. Um, I have a uh, that's my boy interesting, right. hopefully, question. Okay. Is there any is there any possibility that her bindings were an attempt by her to avoid struggling? Well, that's. Um, I believe the sheriff's department also explained that of, they've never seen a suicide like this before. They've all admitted that. However, they said that. You know, in general, when people do do things like that, it is to keep themselves from changing their mind at the last minute. You know. Yeah, that's why I make never sure killed that they myself. Go through with this. My mom always told me, "Don't kill yourself. You can't change your mind." <laughs> Pretty Burrow, much. You have to have a mind in the and first place. Change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's so supportive of me. Yeah, I know. But well, okay. So now, based on your earlier questions, I'm sure we're going to get to this. But you know. And I know this from experience. My husband committed suicide, and I've also been told that we're not supposed to use the term committed suicide because it makes it sound like they're being punished or something. They're supposed to say died by hanging, which is hard for me to change at my well, yeah, age. Yeah, died anyway, by hanging sounds like he's in the Old West and they caught him stealing cattle. Or, you know, you know it sounds very passive, too. So yeah. to me, you know, who did it? Died by hanging? That doesn't sound like you did it to yourself. So it's hard for me to use that term. Yeah, but anyway, it doesn't work for me either. My, my point is, um, I did research at the time when my husband died. Um, he hung himself. I think that's probably the best way to say it. He hung himself um, in a motel room in Mexico <coughs> several days after I told him our marriage was over. And um, I interviewed um, a psychologist or psychiatrist after I'd written other stories about suicides for the newspaper back in my reporter days. And I was told basically you can't really um, give a rational explanation to somebody who does such an irrational act. Yes. They're not in their right mind at the time. So when you start thinking about motives, and you start thinking about why did this happen, you're trying to, to find a rational explanation for an irrational act that somebody is doing when they're not in their, you know, healthy state of mind, you know, in general. So that's uh, basically what yeah. Jonah now believes, that Rebecca definitely committed suicide. Initially, he didn't think she did. But he has come to believe now that she did hang, hang herself and that it was an irrational act, and you can't really understand what at all, why she would have done that. But there, well, I, I, there, are I, I, there are affectations that an individual contemplating such a thing, uh, behavioral patterns that are right. different than normal. Yes. Your husband exhibited and, some of those, but Rebecca did not. Well, 
it depends who you're listening to. Her family says she did not. However, um, did you read my book? Um, as much as I could without, uh, as I was able to, yes. <laughs> okay. Because it's pretty, I do go over a lot of that in the book, um, and I don't want to talk too much about it to give it all away, but there, there was an um, expert that Adam Shacknight's defense team called during the trial who did a, um, a risk assessment, a suicide risk assessment, and found that she displayed many behaviors that would uh, constitute and be consistent with suicide, such as, she and her sisters were molested when they were very young. Um, she um, she shoplifted. She was arrested for shoplifting um, just a couple months before she met Jonah, so that was pretty recent. She told many different stories to many different people. Um, her, to her family, she was one person, but to Jonah and to other people, she told completely conflicting stories. She was with one boyfriend while she was still married, and she told him that she was kidnapped by her estranged husband. She told him she was going through a divorce when nobody had filed any paperwork whatsoever, and in fact, she had decided to reconcile with her husband and did not tell the boyfriend. Mm. So he reported her missing, and the police said, oh, we've talked to her, she's fine. He said, what are you talking about? Somebody must be holding a knife to her throat or something, because she called me, and she said that they had her, they took her, they blindfolded her, and they're driving around in a car, and she was crying, and you know, da da da. And and it turned out in the police report, which he never saw, I got a copy of it, and it. She told the police. She said, "Well, I decided to reconcile with my husband, and I haven't told him." Cool boy. So, so there are a number of behaviors um, that her family didn't really know anything about, and since they've learned some of these, they completely dismiss them and are very much sticking to the Yeah, if it doesn't fit with your she, preconceived ideas and you've got a lot of emotion invested in those, it's real easy to discount any factual evidence. Yeah, I, I mean, I've had people who really adamantly believe this is a murder and they, they're like, well, what does the shoplifting have to do with anything? What does the kidnapping thing have to do with anything? And I'm like, well, it goes to her state of mind to show her who she really was. That, you know, she doesn't seem to be the same person, you know, that her family is Glad convinced she was. she was. There were other sides to her. I'm not saying she wasn't that person, but she also had these other behaviors that they knew nothing about. She also had these notes on her phone which showed that she was losing weight, she wasn't sleeping, she was very angry at Jonah. Their relationship was in was you know in trouble. She was not getting along with his teenage kids. She felt they were very disrespectful to her. Jonah wasn't sticking up for her and taking her side. She wanted to have children. He didn't. I mean, there was there's a lot going on. But her family, you know, just does not want to believe anything other than she was murdered and that she's not the kind of person who would do this. That's, they're still saying this well, as recently as this week. Well, so. there, there is an exception to this pattern thing, which I experienced, strangely enough. I wish I could tell you the name of the medication, but I do not recall because it was a long time ago. I was given some medication for something. I don't recall what it was. And I happened to be uh, getting a cold or something, so I took an antihistamine. Within uh -huh. an hour and a half, if there had been a gun in the house, I would have killed myself. Oh, oh wow. I mean, that's... Well, you know, that's, that's interesting that you say that because I've taken Zyrtec before, which is, is an allergy medication, and it makes me sleepy, and I take it before bed. 
I had the weirdest dream whenever I take that stuff. I mean, really twisted, weird, uh, well, strange yeah, dreams. I'm, so I'm starting to I don't get know afraid. what it is about antihistamines. Well, but, I'll tell um, you, I went, that was the last one of those medications I happened to have, and I didn't kill myself that night simply because I didn't have a gun, and I didn't know how to do any any other fancy way. Wow. I went to the pharmacist to get my prescription renewed, and he said, Burl, you do know never to take an antihistamine with this, don't you? Oh, boy. And I said, no, why? He says, it causes obsessive suicidal thoughts. Oh, my God. And you were supposed to have been warned by your doctor wow. or the pharmacist never to take an antihistamine with it because you might kill yourself. So thanks oh for God. telling me. Exactly. <laughs> well, Rebecca, here's another interesting thing. Rebecca had um, her toxicology report say no alcohol, no drugs, no substances in her body. So that was, according to the sheriff, that was what convinced him that this was a suicide because she wasn't, there was, there was no um, forensic evidence in terms of fingerprints or DNA found on the ropes, on the gag, on the knives that were found in the room where the hanging rope was anchored. They were only, the only DNA and fingerprints found were hers. Well, boy, that makes a big difference. No sexual assault or anything like that. Well, the Zahao family has a theory that she was sexually assaulted by the handle of a steak knife because her blood was on the handle. And the only place where there was blood was her vagina because she was having a period, but there was no, you know, open bleeding wound yeah. on her body other than one little cut on her finger, which was not, didn't look fresh, you know? Yeah. Well, it could have been self-inflicted steak knife, I guess. Is that what you call it? Uh, well, they believe that, that Adam Shackney is a sexual deviant. He was watching her take a shower inside the main house, like snuck in and was watching her. And then there was some sort of confrontation because she was taking a shower. Um, and then a towel was found with several drops of blood on the carpet in the hallway right outside this bedroom where the hanging rope was anchored to this bed. And on that bedroom door was a message, okay? So now this is another mystery. The, there was a, a painted message in big block letters with black paint that said, she saved him, can you save her? No punctuation, all capital letters. Weird. And so the, the blood was dripped you know, right outside that door and the towel. And then her cell phone was found inside the bedroom where the rope was tied to the bed. And so the sheriff's department says, well, you know, she got a, a message from Jonah at 10 minutes to 1 a.m. Um, and, and there's no, we've never been able to listen to that message because it was deleted and they were not able to retrieve it. But Jonah says that he called her and said, I got some bad news from the doctor. The best case scenario is that Max will never walk or talk again. And he told me he was crying on the phone. It was about a minute long and she never called him back. So the sheriff's department said, well, she was already feeling guilty and so this voicemail put her over the edge and she decided to commit suicide the, the Howe family says no there was a confrontation in that hallway she stood there long enough to drip 
blood on the carpet. She was in a towel for after being in the shower. And so Adam hit her over the head four times because she's got uh, bruising on her scalp and was manually strangled and then he put her over the balcony. So that's what this is. Oh, and somewhere in there, she, so she was partially unconscious long enough for her, him to tie her up. And then because of the positioning of some fingerprints on the blade of a second knife with a chef's knife, also found on the floor, it looked to, to the defense expert that she had been trying to cut herself free of those ropes by turning it away from her back and kind of trying to cut herself out of the ropes, even though there's no evidence that on the ropes themselves that there were any cut marks. Um, this is the elaborate theory that the, that yeah, the, the house have come up with. And then um, she tried to get free, but she wasn't able to. She fought back. Um, but then he, he, you know, he assaulted her with this knife handle at some point. And then... There would have um, been DNA, there would have been fingerprints, there would have been some evidence of presence, it would seem to me. The only DNA, I believe, I don't know if there, I think there were fingerprints found on the knife, the fake knife, I'm not sure, I can't remember to be honest, but her DNA, it was her blood, let's put it that way, it was her blood, um, and Adam's DNA was not found anywhere, including, this is important, including on the knife that he admitted to using to cut her down, which was in the garden. Now that is weird outside. too. Outside. Yeah. This whole thing is too weird. <clears throat> That's that's why I got a book deal. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> because it's a very strange. Who, who the hell could write this book? We know, Caitlin Rother. <laughs> when I go over um, all of this and uh -huh. sense, I see two things. I okay. see a suicide staged like a homicide, or yep. a homicide staged like a suicide. That's and exactly I what come, I said. I can't come up with any any rationale for either scenario. Is well, there, is there a much, third that's option the only position I took. That's the only position I took, so I agree with you. It's just, it's just strange. It's just, the title of the book is just strange. No, that's not the title of the book. Uh, it's going to be a, a noggin's crash, as Matt Allen would say. So do you think the sheriffs did a thorough enough investigation? Or were there any, uh, any delinquencies in their efforts? There are, there are numerous outside experts who have found holes in the sheriff's investigation, things they should have done, um, things they didn't do enough, things they didn't do at all, questions they didn't ask, people they didn't interview. Um, for one thing, um, first thing that most experts will say is, why didn't they take Adam's phone? Why didn't they get Adam's phone records to back up what he said? Because here's another piece of information. He volunteered... After calling 911 and then he was interviewed, because he was the only one there, right? Yeah. Um, and nobody saw her tied up and hanging. By the time the police and the paramedics got there, she was already on the courtyard lawn. Okay? So they have no, they have, there was this, this rope was hanging down over the balcony and it, and it was cut. So he, you can hear it on the 911 tape. He, um, he calls 911. And then he runs and gets a knife, and you can hear him dragging a table over. You can hear it on the tape because it has a broken leg, and it bounces off, and, and right. it, you can hear it on the brick bouncing. 
so he stands up on the table and he says he cuts her down and then they laid her down on the grass and then you know the dispatcher's like well you know start compressions and he goes and she says and you can count out loud and he starts with 27 27 28 29 so as if he's been doing it all along even though he's been talking to her that was that, another that's strange, strange thing so I, um, basically, what was your question? I was trying to answer your question. I was going I to know. ask, is there a, th I mean, it was kind of a limited option theory, but naturally limited to those two choices of the stage suicide or a stage homicide. Is there a third option? Or are those the only two options? I don't, I don't know what that would be. Neither do I. And oh, I know what I was getting to. Here's what I was getting to. So I, I was setting the stage for you know, when they arrived, what they saw, the police. Um, so they interviewed Adam, and he said, well, I woke up, um, I was feeling restless, and so I masturbated to some porn on my phone. So my point is, okay, he volunteered that, and some people believe that he was trying to make an excuse in case they did find his DNA, right? He said, well, I took a shower, and then I came out and I found her hanging. So that's his story. Mm -hmm. And that he never went into the main house, he didn't kill her, he didn't touch her, he didn't talk to her after saying goodbye in the in the courtyard. Mm. But yet he volunteered that information that he had been uh, pleasuring himself. But they never got a phone. And they never, um, they never tested Rebecca's phone for fingerprints or DNA to see if somebody else had been the one to delete her last message Ooh. from Jonah. And we've never been able to listen to Jonah's message. All we have is what Jonah said he said. And so does the house have a big problem with that, too. Oh, it just gets worse and worse. <laughs> yeah. Well, it takes someone like you to write a book <clears throat> to make us all go, ah! <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, to, uh, to my two experts here, uh -huh. um, how many people in general commit suicide naked? Well, um, everybody who testified in this case basically had to admit that they've never seen a case like this. They said, but I've heard about naked suicides before. And the sheriff says, well, there's all kinds of literature about naked suicides. And so I did a search, a Google search, and I found one journal article, one. And guess what it said? There's very, there's almost nothing written about naked suicides. <laughs> I only that's, what the, personally, that's what the article said. Uh, only personally know of one, and that was my friend Stephen Bing, who... Uh, jumped off the the, uh, the balcony of his uh, upscale uh, what seventh floor apartment in Culver City. Naked. Well, so here's what it, here's what the article did say. What the article did say was that there's a very small percentage of suicides that are done naked, but for um, you know, it's just highly unusual period for women to commit suicide um, in a violent, in a violent way. Number one, yeah. they are more likely to. Um, you know, take pills or whatever. Just like their women don't kill other people in a violent way. They'll give them, poison them or do something else, you know, or have someone else do it. But in this case, you know, the binding, the gag, the, um, and being naked and it being outside, it's just highly, highly unusual set of circumstances. And what makes it so unusual is not just the naked part or not just the bound part or not just, you know, it's all of those things together. And the bindings themselves, um, the sheriff's department were claiming, well, they're very simple 
knots. But Adam says, well, I don't know how to tie those knots. And he's a tugboat captain. So there's a house expert said, oh, these are nautical knots. And the sheriff's department did a video to show how this could be done, where you could bind your wrists together in front of you and then slip one hand out, put the other hand behind your back, slip your other hand back into the rope and tighten it like a slip knot. And that's how she could have done it. But when the the house expert uh, demonstrated in the courtroom how he thought the knots were tied, he said the knots on the sheriff's video were way too simple. These, those were not the knots that were actually tied. They're facing the wrong way. Um, and they're more, much more complicated. And he demonstrated for us, and I was like, I'd never be able to do that. Oh my God, they look very, comp- very complicated. Well, I'm a, I'm a boy. I was a Boy Scout. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And you have to learn how to tie, you know, a half a dozen of these kinds of knots, sheep shanks, and. Uh, well, these were slip knots. And, and 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 the way that it was explained in court was that in order to, um, you know, hang yourself or to, you know, it, you have to tie it properly to for that kind of knot to work. I wouldn't know how to do that, honestly. When I was a child, as part of the Boy Scouts, you know, competitions, you had, <coughs> pardon me, <coughs> be able to tie the knots one-handed. One-handed? One-handed. And oh. you had to do it. Yeah, you were timed. Wow. Yeah, wow. what's the point of that? Petition to do it with two hands, simultaneously tying the knots, the same knot with each hand, one after the other. And I was able to do the six knots in under 12 seconds. Hmm. Yeah, nothing so to do with his know, hands, if you, if you know and you practice and you practice, you could get good at it. But, you know, the whole thing is just totally, it's counterintuitive from someone who decides it's time is uh, is enough and let's get out of here. Yeah, none of it makes sense from whatever angle it is viewed. And it would take someone like you to turn it into a readable book. It's fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's something else, too. There, There is a theory that, you know, Rebecca was angry at Jonah and this was a message to him. And I, I ran that by him and he said, yeah, I've heard that theory. I said, well, what would that message be? He said, I don't know. I said, well, your brother thinks this was Shibari, Adam. That's what he's claiming, that that's a, a self-tying Japanese kind of erotic uh, art slash sexual kind of artistic thing in that that's what he thought the knots looked like. And I, I said, Jonah, your brother thinks it's Shibari. And I said, did you and Rebecca ever do any bondage? Or I don't remember. I didn't ask him quite that bluntly, but he basically said, not with me. Yeah, but who knows with who else? Uh, another little tidbit. You that, said that. I didn't <laughs> Another little tidbit that escapes me. Um, so the assumption is, is that the cryptic note on the door was painted by her. If you think it's a suicide, then yes. Okay. But so who writes a suicide note moment. in the third person with no punctuation? So for the moment, let's go with that. Okay. She t- She writes the note. She ties herself up. She sets the rope and jumps out. Where Why doesn't she decapitated? Where's the paint? There is paint on her, actually. Yeah, but where's paint on her nipples. The rest of the paint. 
the rest of the paint in yeah. a tube. Yeah, I mean, is there um, a bucket somewhere, uh, a, bu- uh, a cup? With there were two brushes that were found on the floor next right. to the two knives and the phone, and there was a tube of paint. So it might like an artist's tube. Of paint. Black paint, yeah, and she was an artist, and she did have painting supplies. Okay. She liked to paint. They were in the room. So, uh, so wouldn't have there been some kind of fingerprint evidence on those items? Well, okay, so there was a lot of discussion about that during the trial. The, the paintbrush handles are wood, so those don't really hold. Uh, that's the, you can't collect fingerprints from that kind of surface, number one. Um, but they didn't find any because it's not the right surface. The paint uh, tube... Um, the house attorney kept claiming that it had been wiped down. There were no fingerprints on the tube. That's not true, actually. Um, it was that was false. It, there were fingerprints on the side of the paint tube. They were just unidentifiable. So they were partial or they were mixed. The only fingerprint that they found that they could identify was on the cap, and it was Rebecca's fingerprint. Mm. Which one would suspect if she's her supplies? I'm sorry. It would be to, it would be expected as it was her supplies, okay, right? Yeah. But then, yeah, the whole thing is you had too, to you had to weird. squeeze the tube to get the paint out was what the Zahalza tube right, kept right. saying. Right, and it, so why not on the side of the? That's right. Thing. So why was it wiped down? If it would have been her fingerprint, fingerprint but it wasn't out. wiped down because there were other other fingerprints there. He kept saying that, but it turns oh, out okay. no, they I, yeah. weren't. There misleading, were still fingerprints. Stuff, yeah. it, it was totally misleading. So there were fingerprints. They just weren't complete or identifiable. So maybe they were on top of each other. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Well, it's a fascinating, fascinating book. It'll have your brain spinning uh, in a variety of patterns. <laughs> Death on Ocean Boulevard. And uh, if you like that one, I got one coming for you this year that's right up the same alley. <laughs> oh, wow, girl, I thought you could go through it entire. <laughs> I always got to plug some of mine even if I don't have a title for you. Caitlin Rother, buy it, read it, believe it. Death on Ocean Boulevard. Buy several copies. They make wonderful Hanukkah gifts. Thank you, Caitlin. And, Thank you and for having me on, bro. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Love it. Pearl. Yeah. Magic Get Out, Magic Man Out, I've heard of him. And the Demons of Texas, live with the Light of Lounge at AllRadioLive.com. the driveway she went into the main house and he went into the guest house which was across the courtyard in this 
it, you know, it was a lawn kind of area. And the next morning he called 911 because he said he saw her hanging naked, bound, and gagged from a, a second story uh, balcony in the courtyard. In a nutshell, that's, that's basically how the, the story opens in the book. And that's the, the incident where this all incidents, actually, because there are two deaths here in this book, not just one, but two that are mysterious and lots of debate over whether Rebecca Zahau was murdered or committed suicide. The sheriff's department says it was suicide and her family insists, no, it was murder. And a civil jury in 2018 agreed with the family and found Adam Shacknai, the brother of the boyfriend, Jonah Shacknai, to be responsible for her death. Ooh, he was not impressed with that decision, was he? <laughs> no, to say the least. So is he taking like a lawsuit against him for defamation of character or something? No, he can't because it was a civil suit against him. Oh, gotcha. And he was, the house filed a civil suit. Originally, the civil suit had a couple other parties. One was um, Jonah's ex-wife, the mother of the little boy, and her name is Dina Shacknai, and then Dina's sister, Nina Romano, who was visiting um, to be supportive that, at that time, and there was the, the, the lawsuit against the three of them initially, by, filed by the Zahau family, uh, alleged that the three of them conspired and schemed to strangle and then, you know, hang her, essentially. Well, so wait, wait, wait. Now, all motives, as you know, is yeah, motive means an opportunity. What would have been the motive in that situation if that were a reality? If that, what the lawsuit alleged was that they were angry about, um, at Rebecca, because she was the only adult at the house when Max had that fall. Mm -hmm. And therefore, it was her fault, and they were angry with her. But her hands were tied... All that stuff. We her hands were bound behind her. Her ankles were bound together, and there was this rope around her neck, mm -hmm. and there was also a T-shirt, which was wrapped around the rope, which was on top of her hair. So she had long hair, so the, the hair was under the rope and under the T-shirt gag, which many women think is just not something a, a woman would do. This is really weird, as you know. <laughs> yes, it's very weird. Yeah. And I take it it only gets more strange the more you investigated this. Well, yeah, I mean, everyone thought, well, this is a bizarre death, right? I mean, the community at large, a lot of people thought that this was a murder. In fact, when I was, I would go do these speeches out in the community, you know, for my various book events, they'd all say, are you going to, are you doing a book on the Coronado Mansion murder? And I say, well, it's kind of difficult because the sheriff's department thinks it's a suicide. So if there's not even a crime, that means there's been no arrest, let alone anyone being charged or convicted. I can't really go around accusing people of murder if nobody's been it charged. Does, it does tend to irritate them. <laughs> yeah, it does. Even even after the lawsuit was filed, I mean, Adam Shackney to this day says he was wrongly accused and wrongly convicted. And his um, homeowner's insurance, which is how the majority of the legal fees were paid, um, they didn't 
they didn't want to continue um, paying for his defense because he wanted to file an appeal. So against his wishes, his insurance company uh, settled with the house. So he, he now has no way in court to clear his name because um, he can't file any defamation suit because in a court of law you are allowed to make these allegations and that's what they did and it was all allowed because he lost the case. So there's not really much he can do. Well, at least it's not a criminal conviction. It's not a criminal conviction and that is correct. So which is why it was very tricky to write this book. Yeah, I, did you have any contact with him? Did you interview him for this book? I did interview him for the book. Um, I sat across from him for about three and a half hours. This and, was quite um, a coup, wasn't it? Sorry? This was quite a coup to get him Thank to you. talk to you. Appreciate that. I, I gave a card, one of my cards, to his girlfriend during the trial when um, I saw her in the ladies' room and I handed her my card and I said, I'm going to be writing a book about this case, so I hope to talk to you and I hope to talk to Adam and... Gave me the card, and that's how he had my number, and he just called me one day out of the blue. I was a little... Oh, are you a lucky woman? <laughs> I looked down at my phone, and I'm like, Tennessee? Who do I know in Tennessee? And I d normally wouldn't have answered the phone, because normally I'd think, oh, it was a spam call. But I, every once in a while, like I had a new, a new coaching client. I do coaching on the side for aspiring authors and authors who want help with shaping, developmental shaping and promoting a book, and I had a new client and I thought well maybe she has the cell phone that she you know has that is, she was living previously in Tennessee so I picked it up only because I thought it was someone else <laughs> <laughs> boy are you fortunate <laughs> no no I mean I, I did want to interview him I just I wasn't really re ready to interview him yet because I have a process you know I like to have all my ducks in a row I like to know all my information down before I interview somebody who's been accused of a of a crime like that, you know, yes. even if it's in civil court, I, I even more so I need to have my ducks in a row, you know. So how did the interview go? Did you two get along? <coughs> well, we talked on the phone um, and basically went back and forth. And um, I don't want to give away too much about this because it's all written up in the book. Right. But we, we, we arranged an interview and, and then we talked for three and a half hours. So I'll just leave it at that. I, that's all I want to say about my inter my interaction with him because I think I think I want to save the rest for people to have surprises in the book. Oh, absolutely! And I think it's going to be people are going to be drawing a lot of conclusions on the wall as Bob Dylan would say. Uh, you don't uh, in this book. You don't bring, reveal. You reveal a lot about yourself in terms of uh, emotional harmonizing with some of the situations uh -huh. emotionally, but you don't really come out on which side you're putting your money on whether right and that's on purpose and to be honest i really um i can't say either way that i have enough information to believe that it was either suicide or murder frankly and i know a lot of people feel one way or the other but i've had a lot of people and this actually makes me happy i've had a lot of people tell me they thought something when they before they read the book and then they change their mind back and forth, both going back and forth. Like, you know, like I say, for me, it was like a tent watching a tennis match. You know, your head's going this way, your head's going that way. Um, and that's what it was like writing the book. And apparently that's also what it's like reading the book. And I did that on purpose 
Well, good. You know, good. I to could. keep people interested, I, I don't take sides, and I, I tried to fairly present all the different theories, and there's a lot of information that we still don't know. There's a lot of questions that are still unanswered. If I, it I were see. suicide, if it were suicide, what would her motive have been for suicide and to trust herself up like a you know, Christmas <laughs> turkey like that? Well, like I said, I think there's some information that we don't, no. I mean, either way, why was she either killed or why did she commit suicide that way? Do you know what I mean? I mean, I I think that if she did commit suicide, and she did that on purpose, you know, it, it's highly possible or maybe even likely that she was trying to send a message to somebody because where did she get an idea like that? I mean, there was nothing on her computer that shows that she researched how to do commit suicide or how to tie herself up or she didn't look up any bondage websites. I mean, basically, I looked at her internet browser history because it was in the sheriff's investigative file that I had access to through a, a couple sources. Yeah. And there was no history of that. She basically was looking at fashion. She was looking at, you know resorts and vacations and, you know, restaurants and stuff like that. You know, Facebook, bank account, but nothing like that. You're like how to tie you up to kill yourself. No, and, and, and I don't say that lightly because there was another book that I wrote called Then No One Can Have Her about the Steve DeMocker case in Prescott, Arizona, where part of the reason he was convicted is because he had a browser history that, that basically said how how to make a, um, a murder look like a, like an accident <laughs> on his yeah, internet that, browser That's history. when you clear your browser history. <laughs> well, apparently he has software where he thought that that was happening, but it didn't. Ooh. Yeah, he had been trying to, he had, had thought he had been clearing his browser history, I think, but it didn't work. And so the investigators found that. And he says, oh, I was doing research for a novel. Yeah. Now, you and I could get away with that. Exactly, <laughs> but, but, but he yeah, he yeah. <laughs> no, and he didn't. He's in prison, so thank God we're not. I mean, yeah, I mean, so so to answer to get back to your question, there there are a number of theories. of the sheriff's department theory is that Rebecca felt guilty for somehow being responsible for Max's fall, and he was not dead at the time that she was found dead. He was still technically alive, hooked up to, you know, machines, but he had a pretty severe um, set of injuries that even the doctor said did not appear to match the story that they got from Rebecca about how he got the injuries. So he, he was, she said that she was in the bathroom downstairs and she heard a loud crash and the dog barking and she came out and found him on the floor and she couldn't remember if he was on his stomach or on his back but he she had to get him on his back so if he was on face down she had to turn him and she said she started to do cpr and she called out for her sister who was visiting who's only 13 years old um she had just arrived like the, the two days before um and she said call 911 and so basically she saw Max lying on the floor surrounded by pieces of broken glass from the chandelier that had been hanging above. And there was a soccer ball and a razor scooter. And the, the razor scooter was lying across um, one of his legs. So the, 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 the 
sheriff's department surmised that there must have been some kind of play going on where he was either, you know, riding the scooter or, you know, something with the dog and the ball, and then somehow he, like, lunged over and grabbed a hold of the chandelier and it broke and he fell. How could he and grab that, the chandelier? Well, because it was, okay, so picture this. So you've got a foyer and then you've got a, a, a staircase that goes up, mm-hmm. like a dog leg ascending staircase that goes up to the second floor. Right. And the chandelier was hanging from the second story. So it's open. It's a whole open area oh, with gotcha. the chandelier hanging over it. So he, they think he grabbed it and was swinging on it. And it broke with his weight. Think of the War of the Roses. Yep, gotcha now. (laughs) I, um, you know, the thing that was intriguing about this, though, that was one of my questions, there was a woman who was riding in the police car when they responded to the the 911 call. So there were two 911 calls within two days, okay? First one was Max's uh, accident, which is what the Sheriff's Department ruled it to be. Um, she was with the police car that responded. She was a psychologist. She came into the house, and she was asked to write a report about what she saw, and she said she used the word severed for the cord on the chandelier. She said that the cord was, quote-unquote, severed. And I don't know. So, there, you know, Dina Shackney, Max's mother, believes that Max was murdered. So the sheriff's department thinks says it was an accident. The sheriff's department said Rebecca was committed suicide, um, you know, there's a lot of people who think that Rebecca was murdered, and Dina Shacknight thinks her son was murdered. So there's all kinds of theories about well, why yeah, this would well, be well, and what well, the motive well, would be. And just because she used the word severed doesn't mean that someone knew he was going to swing from the chandelier and therefore severed it ahead of time. That's no, as, no, as a, no, meaning it was severed um, like someone cut it. But in order for, I mean, at the time, someone in the house cut it as he was swinging from it? I don't know. I'm not. I am not saying what happened. I am just saying I thought that was a curious word to use. Well, maybe, maybe you know. I I mean, I'm just throwing this out there. Right. Nobody's saying that they severed it while he was swinging on it. I'm saying the chandelier cord was described as being severed. In which case, maybe there's a whole other scenario has nothing to do with him swinging on it. Do you see what I'm saying? I don't know. I'm just saying that was curious to me that she used that word. And why would someone murder the kid in the first place? Well, why would somebody murder Rebecca, right? So yeah, motive means opportunity. What's the motive? Well, there, I, I, are, there, there are some theories out there about there being one or more hitmen. I'm not saying I believe that these are true. I'm just throwing. I'm just letting you know what the theories are. Um, in fact. Jonah Shacknai even raised that possibility in his first interview with detectives. That is, seems he, to me very strange. Well, it's in the book. You'll you'll see. <laughs> I know I will. And it'll drive me just as crazy as everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because he, he said, you know, is it possible, you know, that he's like, should I be worried? Should I get protection? I mean... Because he said if, if somebody was trying to hurt me by hurting the two people closest to me, well, they sure did it, you know? Wow. Yeah. Um, I have a uh, That's Mark interesting, hopefully, question. Okay. Is there, any, is there any possibility that her bindings were an attempt by her 
to avoid struggling? Well, that's, um, I believe the Sheriff's Department also explained that of, they've never seen a suicide like this before. They've all admitted that. However, they said that, you know, in general, when people do do things like that, it is to keep themselves from changing their mind at the last minute, you know. Yeah, that's why I make never Make sure killed that they myself. go through with this. My mom always told me, don't kill yourself, you can't change your mind. <laughs> you have to have a mind in the first place. change. Yeah. <laughs> He's so supportive of me. Mm. Yeah, I know. But well, okay, so now, based on your earlier questions, I'm sure we're going to get to this, but, you know, and I know this from experience, my husband committed suicide, and I've also been told that we're not supposed to use the term committed suicide because it makes it sound like they're being punished or something. They're supposed to say died by hanging which is hard for me to change at my well, yeah, age. Yeah, dying anyway, by hanging sounds like he's in the Old West and they caught him stealing cattle. Or, you know, you know it sounds very passive, too. So yeah. to me, you know, who did it? Died by hanging? That doesn't sound like you did it to yourself. So it's hard for me to use that term. Yeah, but it anyway, doesn't work for me either. My, my point is, um, I did research at the time when my husband died. Um, he hung himself. I think that's probably the best way to say it. He hung himself um, in a motel room in Mexico several days after I told him our marriage was over. And um, I interviewed um, a psychologist or psychiatrist after I'd written other stories about suicide for the newspaper back in my reporter days. And I was told basically you can't really um, give a rational explanation to somebody who does such an irrational act. Yes. They're not in their right mind at the time. So when you start thinking about motives, and you start thinking about why did this happen, you're trying to, to find a rational explanation for an irrational act that somebody is doing when they're not in their, you know, healthy state of mind, you know, in general. So that's uh, basically what no. Jonah now believes that Rebecca definitely committed suicide initially he didn't think she did but he has come to believe now that she did hang, hang herself and that it was an irrational act and you can't really understand what at all why she would have done that but there, well, I, uh, there, are aff I, uh, there are affectations that an individual contemplating such a thing uh, behavioral patterns that are right. different than normal Yes. Your husband exhibited and, some of those, but Rebecca did not. Well, it depends who you're listening to. Her family says she did not. However, um, did you read my book? Um, as much as I could without, uh, as I was able to, yes. <laughs> okay, because it's pretty, I do go over a lot of that in the book, um, and I don't want to talk too much about it to give it all away, but there there was an um, expert that Adam Shackknight's defense team called during the trial who did a, um, a risk assessment, a suicide risk assessment, and found that she displayed many behaviors that would uh, constitute and be consistent with suicide, such as she and her sisters were molested when they were very young. Um, she um, she shoplifted. She was arrested for shoplifting um, just a couple months before she met Jonah, so that was pretty recent. 
she told many different stories to many different people. Um, her, to her family, she was one person, but to Jonah and to other people, she told completely conflicting stories. She was with one boyfriend while she was still married, and she told him that she was kidnapped by her estranged husband. She told him she was going through a divorce when nobody had filed any paperwork whatsoever, and in fact, she had decided to reconcile with her husband and did not tell the boyfriend. Mm. So he reported her missing, and the police said, oh, we've talked to her, she's fine. And he said, what are you talking about? Somebody must be holding a knife to her throat or something, because she called me, and she said that they had her, they took her, they blindfolded her, and they're driving around in a car, and she was crying, and you know, da, da, da. And, and it turned out in the police report, which he never saw, I got a copy of it, and it, she told the police, she said, well, I decided to reconcile with my husband and I haven't told him. Cool boy. So, so there are a number of behaviors um, that her family didn't really know anything about and since they've learned some of these, they completely dismiss them and are very much sticking to the Yeah, if it doesn't fit with your she, preconceived ideas and you've got a lot of emotion invested in those, it's real easy to discount any factual evidence. Yeah, I, I mean, I've had people who really adamantly believe this is a murder and they they're like well what does the shoplifting have to do with anything what does the kidnapping thing have to do with anything and i'm like well it goes to her state of mind to show her who she really was that she, you know she doesn't seem to be the same person you know that her family is Glad convinced she was. she was there were other sides to her i'm not saying she wasn't that person but she also had these other behaviors that they knew nothing about she also had these notes on her phone which showed that she was losing weight, she wasn't sleeping, she was very angry at Jonah, their relationship was in, was you know in trouble, she was not getting along with his teenage kids, she felt they were very disrespectful to her, Jonah wasn't sticking up for her and taking her side, she wanted to have children, he didn't, I mean, there was, there was a lot going on. But her family, you know, just does not want to believe anything other than she was murdered and that she's not the kind of person who would do this. That's, they're still saying that well, as recently as this week. Well, so. there, there is an exception to this pattern thing, which I experienced, strangely enough. I wish I could tell you the name of the medication, but I do not recall because it was a long time ago. I was given some medication for something. I don't recall what it was. And I happened to be uh, getting a cold or something, so I took an antihistamine. Within an uh -huh. hour and a half, if there had been a gun in the house, I would have killed myself. Oh, oh wow. I mean, that's... Well, you know, that's, that's interesting that you say that, because I've taken Zyrtec before, which is, is an allergy medication, and it makes me sleepy, and I take it before bed. I have the weirdest dreams whenever I take that stuff. I mean, really twisted, weird, strange uh, well, yeah, dreams. Yeah, I'm, so I'm starting to I don't get know what it is about antihistamine. Well, I'll tell you, I went, that was the last one of those medications I happened to have, and I didn't kill myself that night simply because I didn't have a gun, and I didn't know how to do it any, any other fancy way. Wow. I went to the pharmacist to get my prescription renewed, and he said, Burl, you do know never to take an antihistamine with this, don't you? Oh, boy. And I said, no, why? He says, it causes obsessive suicidal thoughts. Oh, my God. And you were supposed to have been warned by your doctor wow. or the pharmacist never to take an antihistamine with it because you might kill yourself. So thanks oh for telling me. Exactly. Well, Rebecca, here's another interesting thing. Rebecca had um, her toxicology report says no alcohol, no drugs, no substances in her body. So that was, according to the sheriff, that 
that was what convinced him that this was a suicide because she wasn't there was there was no um, forensic evidence in terms of fingerprints or DNA found on the ropes on the gag on the knives that were found in the room where the hanging rope was anchored they were only the only DNA and fingerprints found were hers well that makes a big difference no sexual assault or anything like that well, the Zahao family has a theory that she was sexually assaulted by the handle of a steak knife because her blood was on the handle. And the only place where there was blood was her vagina because she was having a period, but there was no, you know, open bleeding wound yeah. on her body other than one little cut on her finger, which was not, didn't look fresh, you know? Yeah. Well, it could have been self-inflicted steak knife, I guess. Is that what you call it? Uh, well, they believe that, that Adam Shackney is a sexual deviant. He was watching her take a shower inside the main house, like snuck in and was watching her. And then there was some sort of confrontation because she was taking a shower um, and then her, a towel was found with several drops of blood on the carpet in the hallway right outside this bedroom where the hanging rope was anchored to this bed. And on that bedroom door was a message. Okay, so now this is another mystery. The, there was a, a painted message in big block letters with black paint that said, she saved him, can you save her? No punctuation, all capital letters. Weird. And so the, the blood was dripped you know, right outside that door and the towel. And then her cell phone was found inside the bedroom where the rope was tied to the bed. And so the sheriff's department says, well, you know, she got a, a message from Jonah at 10 minutes to 1 a.m. Um, and, and there's no, we've never been able to listen to that message because it was deleted and they were not able to retrieve it. But Jonah says that he called her and said, I got some bad news from the doctor. The best case scenario is that Max will never walk or talk again. And he told me he was crying on the phone. It was about a minute long and she never called him back. So the sheriff's department said, well, she was already feeling guilty. And so this voicemail put her over the edge and she decided to commit suicide the, the Zahal family says no there was a confrontation in that hallway she stood there long enough to drip blood on the carpet she was in a towel for after being in the shower and so Adam hit her over the head four times because she's got uh, bruising on her scalp and was manually strangled, and then he put her over the balcony. So that's what the Zahal, oh, and somewhere in there, she, so she was partially unconscious long enough for her, him to tie her up, and then because of the positioning of some fingerprints on the blade of a second knife, with a chef's knife, also found on the floor, it looked to, to the defense expert that she had been trying to cut herself free of those ropes by turning it away from her back and kind of trying to cut herself out of the ropes, even though there's no evidence that on the ropes themselves that there were any cut marks. Hmm. Um, this is the elaborate theory that the, that yeah, the, the house has come up with. And then um, she tried to get free, but she wasn't able to. She fought back. Um, but then he, he, you know, 
he assaulted her with this knife handle at some point, and then... There would have um, been DNA, there would have been fingerprints, there would have been some evidence of presence, it would seem to me. The only DNA, I believe, I don't know if there, I think there were fingerprints found on the knife, the steak knife, I'm not sure, I can't remember, to be honest, but her DNA, it was her blood, let's put it that way, it was her blood, um, and Adam's DNA was not found anywhere, including, this is important, including on the knife that he admitted to using to cut her down, which was in the garden. Now that is weird outside. too. Outside. Yeah. This whole thing is too weird. <clears throat> That's that's why I got a book deal. Yeah, I mean, because it's a very strange. Who, who the hell could write this book? We know Caitlin Rother. <laughs> when I go over um, all of this and uh -huh. sense, I see two things. I okay. see a suicide staged like a homicide, or yep. a homicide staged like a suicide. That's exactly I what come, I said. I can't come up with any any rationale for either scenario. Is well, there, is there much, a third that's option? That's the only position I took. That's the only position I took, so I agree with you. It's just it's just strange. It's just the title of the book is just no, that's not the title of the book. Uh it's gonna be a, a dog and scratcher, as Matt Allen would say. So do you think the sheriffs did a thorough enough investigation? Or were there any uh any delinquencies in their efforts? There are, there are numerous outside experts who have found holes in the sheriff's investigation, things they should have done, um, things they didn't do enough, things they didn't do at all, questions they didn't ask, people they didn't interview. Um, for one thing, um, first thing that most experts will say is, why didn't they take Adam's phone? Why didn't they get Adam's phone records to back up what he said? Because here's another piece of information. He volunteered... After calling 911 and then he was interviewed, because he was the only one there, right? Yeah. Um, and nobody saw her tied up and hanging. By the time the police and the paramedics got there, she was already on the courtyard lawn. Okay? So they have no, they ha there was this, this rope was hanging down over the balcony and it, and it was cut. So he, you can hear it on the 911 tape. He, um, he calls 911. And then he runs and gets a knife, and you can hear him dragging a table over. You can hear it on the tape because it has a broken leg, and it bounces off, and, and right. it, you can hear it on the brick bouncing. So he stands up on the table, and he says he cuts her down, and then he laid her down on the grass. And then, you know, the dispatcher's like, well, you know, start compressions. And, he goes, and she says, and you can count out loud. And he starts with 27. 27, 28, 29. So as if he's been doing it all along, even though he's been talking to her. That was that, another strange, strange thing. So I, um, basically, what was your question? I was trying to answer your question. I was I going to off. ask, is there a, I mean, it was kind of a limited option theory, but naturally limited to those two choices of the stage suicide or a stage homicide. Is there a third option? Or are those the only two options? I don't, I don't know what that would be. Neither do I. Oh, I know what I was getting to. Here's what I was getting to. So I, I was setting the stage for, you know, when they arrived, what they saw, the police. Um, so they interviewed Adam, and he said, well, I woke up. Um, I was feeling restless, and so I masturbated to some porn on my phone. So my point is, okay, he volunteered that, and some people believe that he was trying to 
make an excuse in case they did find his DNA, right? He said, well, I took a shower and then I came out and I found her hanging. So that's his story. Mm -hmm. And that he never went into the main house. He didn't kill her. He didn't touch her. He didn't talk to her after saying goodbye in the, in the courtyard. But yet he volunteered that information that he had been uh, pleasuring himself. But they never got a phone. And they never, um, they never tested Rebecca's phone for fingerprints or DNA to see if somebody else had been the one to delete her last message Ooh. from Jonah. And we've never been able to listen to Jonah's message. All we have is what Jonah said he said. And so does the house have a big problem with that too. Oh, it just gets worse and worse. Yeah. Well, it takes someone like you to write a book <clears throat> to make us all go, ah! <laughs> um, uh, to, uh, to my two experts here, uh -huh. um, how many people in general commit suicide naked? Well, um, everybody who testified in this case basically had to admit that they've never seen a case like this. They said, but I've heard about naked suicides before. And the sheriff says, well, there's all kinds of literature about naked suicides. And so I did a search, a Google search, and I found one journal article, one. And guess what it said? There's very, there's almost nothing written about naked suicides. I <laughs> only the, personally, that's what the article said. Only personally know of one, and that was my friend Stephen Bing, who uh, jumped off the the, uh, the balcony of his uh, upscale, uh, what, seventh floor apartment in Culver City. Well, so here's what, it, here's what the article did say. What the article did say was that there's a very small percentage of suicides that are done naked. But for, um, you know, it's just highly unusual, period, for women to commit suicide um, in a violent way, number one. They are more likely to, um, you know, take pills or whatever. Just like their women don't kill other people in a violent way. They'll give them, poison them or do something else, you know, or have someone else do it. But in this case, you know, the binding, the gag, the, um, and being naked, and it being outside, it's just highly, highly unusual set of circumstances. And what makes it so unusual is not just the naked part, or not just the bound part, or not just, you know, it's all of those things together. And the bindings themselves. Um, the Sheriff's Department were claiming, well, they're very simple knots. But Adam says, well, I don't know how to tie those knots. And he's a tugboat captain. So there's a house expert said, oh, these are nautical knots. And the sheriff's department did a video to show how this could be done, where you could bind your wrists together in front of you and then slip one hand out, put the other hand behind your back, slip your other hand back into the rope and tighten it like a slip knot. And that's how she could have done it. But when the, the house expert uh, demonstrated in the courtroom how he thought the knots were tied, he said the knots on the sheriff's video were way too simple. These, those were not the knots that were actually tied. They're facing the wrong way, um, and they're more, much more complicated. And he demonstrated for us, and I was like, I'd never be able to do that. Oh, my God. They were very, comp very complicated. Well, I'm a, I'm a boy, I was a Boy Scout. <clears throat> uh-huh. And... Uh, you have to learn how to tie, you know, a half a dozen of these kinds of knots, sheep shanks and... Uh, well, these were slip knots. And, 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 and the way that it was explained in court 
was that in order to, um, you know, hang yourself or to, you know, it, you have to tie it properly to for that kind of knot to work. I wouldn't know how to do that, honestly. When I was a child, as part of the Boy Scouts, you know, competitions, you had, <coughs> pardon me, <coughs> be able to tie the knots one-handed. One-handed? One-handed. And oh. you had to do it. Yeah, you were timed. Wow. Yeah, what's the point of that? Competition to do it with two hands simultaneously, tying the knots, the same knot with each hand, one after the other. And I was able to do the six knots in under 12 seconds. Yeah, nothing so to do with his know, hands. If you, if you know and you practice and you practice, you could get good at it. But, you know, the whole thing is just totally, it's counterintuitive from someone who decides it's time is, a, is enough and let's get out of here. Yeah, none of it makes sense from whatever angle it is viewed. And it would take someone like you to turn it into a readable book. It's fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's something else, too. There, there is a theory that, you know, Rebecca was angry at Jonah, and this was a message to him. And I, I ran that by him, and he said, yeah, I've heard that theory. I said, well, what would that message be? He said, I don't know. I said, well, your brother thinks this was Shibari, Adam. That's what he's claiming, that that's a, a self-tying Japanese kind of erotic uh, art-slash-sexual kind of artistic thing in that that's what he thought the knots looked like. And I, I said, Jonah. Your brother thinks it's Shibari. And I said, did you and Rebecca ever do any bondage? Or I don't remember. I didn't ask him quite that bluntly, yeah. but he basically said, not with me. Yeah, but who knows with who else? Uh, another little tidbit. You that, said that. I didn't say <laughs> Another little tidbit that escapes me. Um, so the assumption is, is that the cryptic note on the door was painted by her. If you think it's a suicide, then yes. Okay, but so who writes a suicide note in the third person with no punctuation? So for the moment, let's go with that. Okay. She, she writes the note, she ties herself up, she sets the rope and jumps out. Where's Why doesn't she decapitated? Where's the paint? There is paint on her, actually. Yeah, but where's, paint on her where's the rest of the paint? The rest of the paint? In now, a tube. Yeah, I mean, is there... Um, a bucket somewhere, a, bu a cup? With there were two brushes that were found on the floor next right. to the two knives and the phone, and there was a tube of paint. So it might like an artist's tube. Of paint. Black paint, yeah, and she was an artist, and she did have painting supplies. Okay. She liked to paint. They were in the room. So, uh, so wouldn't have there been some kind of fingerprint evidence on those items? <laughs> Well, okay, so there was a lot of discussion about that during the trial. The the paintbrush handles are wood, so those don't really hold. Uh, that's the, you can't collect fingerprints from that kind of surface, number one. Um, but they didn't find any because it's not the right surface. The paint uh, tube, um, was the house attorney kept claiming that it had been wiped down, there were no fingerprints on the tube. That's not true, actually. Um, it was That was false. If there were fingerprints on the side of the paint tube, they were just unidentifiable. So they were partial or they were mixed. 
the only fingerprint that they found that they could identify was on the cap, and it was Rebecca's fingerprint. Mm. Which one would suspect if she if there's supplies? I'm sorry? <clears throat> it would be to, it would be expected as it was her supplies. Okay. Right, yeah. but then, yeah. The whole thing is you had too, to You had to weird. squeeze the tube to get the paint out with what does the house attorney right, kept right. saying. Right, right. Right, and so why not on the side of the? That's right. So why was it wiped down? If it would have been her finger, her fingerprints. But it wasn't wiped down because there were other other fingerprints.